Hi, this is Caitlin from Eatonville, Washington. This is Becky from Covington. Hi, this is Desiree from Bonnie Lake. Help me understand the role of the Holy Spirit. How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? And what does it mean to walk in spirit? And what role does it play in our lives? When he enters the life of a believer. Welcome to The Gospel Life with Pastors Rob Mayer and Kyle Rogers. Today's episode, the Holy Spirit. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, Jay. Jay, good to be here, here we man. Go. A.W. Tozer said, Holiness, as taught in the scriptures, is not based upon knowledge on our part. Rather, it is based upon the resurrected Christ indwelling us and changing us into his likeness. Well, that's good. Mm. To add to the questions of Caitlin, Becky, and Desiree, who, what, and where on earth is the Holy Spirit? As we get started, Pastor Rob, can I ask you, would you be willing to pray for us? Yeah, because we cannot do this episode without the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so let's ask him to lead us let's do it. and guide us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness, your grace and mercy, the opportunity that we have as redeemed people to declare your goodness and grace. We ask that Jesus would be exalted. And the only way we will ever do that in this episode or any time is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask as you are present here in us and you're the one who works through these words, God, would you move in a mighty and powerful way? Speaking of you is an impossibility unless you speak through us. So we thank you that you will do so today. We pray it helps many with these questions that many of us have. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, as Caitlin, Becky, and Desiree asked, who is the Holy Spirit? How does he affect or what role does the Holy Spirit play in our lives? Pastor Rob? Huge questions. Uh, very important questions. And I think if we don't ask and get answers to these questions, we're going to struggle in the Christian life yeah, because he is our power. He is our strength. I think coming back to the quote that you had, Jay, by, I believe it was A.W. Tozer, mm -hmm. he said, the Holy Spirit is Christ indwelling in us. So we're talking about Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, the one we declare ultimate glory to, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, his power his presence, as Paul says, that raised him from the dead lives in us. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about Jesus' words. I believe they're in John 14, mm -hmm. where Jesus is declaring to his disciples, I'm going to leave you. It's better that I leave. It's better yeah. that I leave. And yep. which for them, rightfully so, would have caused great panic because they are experiencing the magnitude and glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ, the, the, the incarnate Lord. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I'm leaving, but he's saying, I'm sending someone better in a sense, or I'm sending someone who is uh, going to indwell you and is going to lead you in a way that I cannot as a man. Mm -hmm. So with that, if I could interrupt mm -hmm. briefly, <clears throat> one of the questions was, what is it? Yeah. It sounds like you're saying it's not an it. Yep. It is not an it. 
We are talking about the third person of the Trinity. Yep. We are talking Amen. about God himself. Yes. Yep. We are not talking about an entity. We're not talking about the force here. We are not in Star Wars. This is not some arbitrary, abstract force. We're talking about God, yeah, God in us. Yeah, so good. We're talking about when we when we look through, and we studied Judges several years ago, um, and we see that the Spirit of the Lord rested upon these imperfect people, and they did magnificent things. I'm thinking about uh, Samson and the way that God used him was the Spirit of the Lord. Every time he did something magnificent, this broken man was doing God-like things because the Spirit of the Lord mm -hmm. was upon him. Now. Mm -hmm. God, the Holy Spirit, has always been active. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's always existed before time. He is God himself. Mm -hmm. One God, e eternally existence in, in three distinct persons. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what is. <laughs> episode that might be a for whole another time. Episode. Huh? <laughs> yeah, but, but we're talking about God. Yep. God in us. Yep. Therefore, when Jesus said what he said, he is saying who is coming you're the advocate the helper the comforter the comforter yeah, man come on christ in yep. you now yep. i'm not just with you and beside you yep. i will be my spirit yep. god's spirit the spirit of god will be in every every born again mm. believer yep and not only will I be there, I will seal you. Seal as, as of their adoption, yeah. right? evidence of their salvation. Man, yeah, man, we're, so we're talking, good. man, I mean, yep. we're talking about something yep. mysterious, but incredibly glorious. Yeah. And I don't think we talk about God, the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. It is not an it. Mm -hmm. It is a person. Mm -hmm. He is a person. Mm -hmm. We should, he, he is mm -hmm. God yep. in us. Yep. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, so good. Yeah, I was raised uh, in a church, uh, in a Lutheran church, where we oftentimes talked about the Holy Spirit as a Holy Ghost. So as a kid, you hear Holy Ghost, you're like, dude, who is this guy? I, I get the Father and I get the Son, but the Holy Ghost? And I remember growing up having a lot of questions about the Holy Spirit, and I resonate with all three of those questions. And I imagine in the Christian life, because it does kind of feel like a force, it's not a person that we can see and touch. It's kind of ambiguous, and it's easy just to have the Holy Spirit kind of on the side but actually if it is god who's referred to as the comforter the helper jesus says he'll remind you of everything i've said to you every time i feel a longing for christ that's the spirit every time i feel a hatred for sin that's the spirit Every time I'm compelled to share the good news of Jesus, that's the spirit compelling me. Every time I operate in a gift that the Lord's given me to grow and build the church, that's the spirit. I actually have way closer of a relationship with the spirit than I realized. Yeah. And as you read through scripture, the descriptions of who the Holy Spirit is, you come to realize, wow, I know him. Jesus refers to it not as an it, but as he will. Oh, I, I have a relationship with him because by faith, I know Jesus. Yeah. Right. Well, he's the spirit of truth. Jesus yeah. says in spirit John 14, the spirit yep. of truth. So he's reminding me of the truth. So good. He's helping me remember the gospel. Yep. He's constantly pointing me to the person and work yep. of Jesus. Yep. You see what Jesus did is a historical reality. Yep. It happened in the past, but we need to look back constantly. And the spirit of truth is reminding us of that truth. And then is helping us connect yep. that glorious gospel to every yep. area of our lives. So yep. what, what the gift. Spirit's work is, is, is his work is convicting us of sin mm -hmm. and pointing us, reminding us, yep. helping us see 
the glory of the gospel and, and, and having it connect to these areas of our yep. lives. And I would say also empowering us to be a member of the body in the local church giving us gifts that we see in Ephesians that he gave gifts to men and those gifts are spirit filled and spirit given that now we operate in those gifts and we participate in the body in uniquely wonderful ways and diverse ways. So, Oh yeah. yeah. Now, now, now here's, here's one thing that I would say too. Um, and I don't know if we're going to get to this, but sometimes we, we answer some questions that aren't asked just yet, but because we get excited. Yeah. But (laughs) we get a little excited. Here's the, here's the deal is I think the church is struggling Mm. At least the church that 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 uh, that I'm seeing in America is struggling because we are clueless about the Spirit and how He is working. Yeah, He's the forgotten God. Right? He's yep. forgotten yeah. in this yep. sense, or He's yep. misunderstood, yep. and therefore um, we're kind of living upon intellect. Mm-hmm. We're going off of what we know. We're not being led by the Spirit. Now, mm-hmm. rightfully so. I'm, I I grew up Baptist, yep. and it was not the Holy Ghost because. That would have freaked me out. It was, <laughs> it was Father, yep. Son, Holy Bible. Mm, yeah. Yep. So it was, uh, it was talking of the Spirit uh, was kind of faux pas in a yep. sense, because because man, there was just so many people like on the other edge of the spectrum, you know, in the charismatic circles that were abusing the spirit. And so we were leaning, at least in our denomination, away from those errors, which there are errors, all right? Not ever checking uh, our emotions and our feelings against God's word. And so kind of swinging the pendulum into Mm -hmm. the wrong way. And so what's happened is, I don't think we have, at least in our reform circle, Circles and maybe peop- a lot of people that are at gospel mm-hmm. life. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited that God is bringing people to gospel life from more of the other uh, side of things. You know, kind of on the other kind of charismatic and, mm-hmm. and Pentecostal mm-hmm. kind of kind of swing. But but I think people that like myself who have not understood the spirit, you know, feel conviction, get uncomfortable, and then leave churches. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I leave churches or I'm in relationships and I move on and then I am getting out of uncomfortability. And what I'm doing is is I'm quenching the Spirit's work in my life and and not allowing Him to work because mm-hmm. oftentimes He's convicting me of sin. Mm-hmm. He's showing me errors in my life. He's He's showing me things that God wants from me mm-hmm. that would bring me freedom. Yeah, that's good. To come back to one comment you just made, it is uh, the mm-hmm. third part of the Trinity, not an it. What about all the offer it to the universe and the universe will uh, give you your desires or you put out good vibes, good thoughts. How do you counter some of the common you know, beliefs, spiritual beliefs that are common today? Well, Christian karma's out there. And mm-hmm. I think kind of to put a name to what you just mentioned is kind of what I would I would call Christian karma, yeah. right? right? What goes around comes around. And if I do good things, good things will happen to me. And it's uh, it's a way that we take God and we make kind of him a force and he's out there and and uh, it's kind of the universe. And so if I do good things, good things will happen to me. What goes around comes around. I do bad things, bad things will come to me. And I treat God as if I'm operating under this system system of karma. And uh, that is not that is not how God the Holy Spirit works. That is not he's <laughs> oftentimes we see people in the Bible who were some of the best people had some of the hardest lives. Let's just start off with Jesus. 
He never sinned, and yet he was murdered. Uh, so Christian karma, and he was empowered by the Spirit. He was indwelt by the Spirit and did never quench the Spirit in any way, shape, or form, and yet his life was extremely difficult to the point of death, even death on a cross. So I don't know I don't know if that's kind of picking up on it. How would you? Yeah, I mean, I'll speak to that because I think in, in the midst of thinking about Christian karma or offer it to the universe or sending out good vibes, we, we claim to be a very scientific society, and hey, we base everything in absolute truth but those things are really relativistic so in a conversation with someone about that i would ask well tell tell me where this force is from tell me what this force is like what objective truth and reality can you define for me that actually tells you that this is real other than just a feeling and i think that's where we have to go in that conversation because i feel a lot of things i got bad thai food last night maybe that's the spirit maybe it's the universe (laughs) who knows i can say i'm a pumpkin but what reality do i need to base my identity in well it's not what i feel there has to be a truth somewhere so in that conversation we have to bring it down to well what is truth which i love how that connects to this conversation about the spirit because the spirit in the christian life can oftentimes be relegated to feeling i feel this therefore it is well no we have to start with a biblical understanding of who the holy spirit is as defined by god's word with we which we believe is objective truth because it's god's word it's sufficient so I think we have to start there, but I, I love those conversations because I think it's an increasingly popular one that when you flesh it out a little bit, the people that who believe in them realize, oh, that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't, well, hold it. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, Jesus says here in John 14 that, that uh, the advocate, the helper, the one who will be with you forever, yeah. who will dwell you, will lead you and guide you. He's the spirit of truth. Yeah. Do I want a cosmic force or the third person of the Trinity in relationship with him? Well, that yeah. sounds much better. <laughs> well, think about this, and this is where we're having so much, so many problems in our culture and our society, and even in, within the Christian context as well, is we have a me-centered mm-hmm. truth, and we're trying to fight for people to just agree with mm-hmm. us. I'm right, you're wrong, I'm gonna fight with you, you need mm-hmm. to agree with me, I know the truth, you don't know the truth, you're stupid. And, and, and if we, here's the reality, if we understand truth, especially, and this is where, uh, the church is this alternate kingdom, this alternate uh, people, this this uh, this this differing. We actually are clinging and standing upon firm mm-hmm. truth, mm-hmm. and therefore we can be extremely diverse people and still all be in agreement. And that was the greatest, you know, witness in in the first century of the of the Christian church. Because there was this diversity, but there was unity because they were all being led by the truth. Mm-hmm. So how we're being led, which is the spirit, the which spirit is of the truth, spirit of truth <laughs> yeah. is leading us yeah. to understand God's word. Yep. That's one of the things he does. He helps us understand God's word. And then he leads us in that truth as a mm-hmm. spirit of truth. He helps yep. us then do God's word. Yep. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how many people I've talked to who said, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I read the Bible and I just, just didn't get it, didn't make any sense. Well, don't have the Holy Spirit. You need him to show you the truth. Now, it's there and it is a remarkable book, but without the spirit of truth leading you and guiding you, you can't, you can't see Jesus. You can't illuminate the text mm-hmm. in such a beautiful way to connect mm-hmm. it to your life. The third part of of the Godhead, the Trinity, the person of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when you become born again. With that, let me um, set up another question for you. Hey, this is Thomas from Sumner. In Scripture, what does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
Yes, such a good question. I wrestled with this so heavily when I was in high school and I started having an experience in another church where I was told by a youth pastor, you must be baptized in the spirit. You must be baptized. You, Yeah, you know Jesus, but in order for you to be effective in ministry, in order for you to be used for God's kingdom, you need a second baptism. You need a second event that's going to be evidenced in you demonstrating the gift of speaking in tongues. It'll show us that now you've been baptized in the spirit. Now you can fulfill your Christian life. So to be baptized. So in, you didn't have the spirit before. Exactly. And that was the argument. Well, did you have the spirit? Yeah. Well, that's what just I'm getting a part to. of him. That's what I'm getting just a little <laughs> bit at, but not, but not really all of it. And you need something else. When we become Christians, we place our faith in Jesus and by his amazing grace, we're regenerate. We're born again. The same, as you said before, power that raised Christ from the dead. Now the spirit who raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. When I get saved, I have father, son, spirit. No division in the Trinity. I got all three. So I have been baptized into Christ at the same time that I've been baptized into the Spirit. We praise God for that. There's not a division in the Trinity, but I get all of them. That's so important for us. I think when we think about baptism in the Spirit, we think... um, Popularly, we think about what happened in Acts where Jesus, he told his disciples, I'm going to leave Jerusalem. I'm going to ascend and you need to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and you'll be given power to be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And there was a physical historical event where the Holy Spirit came upon them, where he actually came upon in tongues of fire, then commissioned them for ministry. But that was a historical event, not something that needs to be replicated in the life of every believer because when we trust in the resurrected Christ, we get all of him. Does that make sense? So you're telling me that if I don't speak in tongues, one of the gifts of the spirit Mm -hmm. that we believe as a church Mm -hmm. is a supernatural gift. It's one of the supernatural gift things, okay, that that the spirit has to give that if I don't speak in tongues, I still have the full indwelling of the whole. Yes, is that, is that what God. you're saying, Kyle? Amen let me God. let me use my tongue right now to interrupt you both Get and it. present another question for you. <laughs> Let's go one. <laughs> this is Dawn from Eatonville. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit fell on those in the upper room with evidence of speaking in tongues. Since we don't all speak in tongues, how do we know we are filled with the Holy Spirit? How do we use it? Do we use it? How do we honor it and recognize it as part of the Trinity? It's very good. The fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Uh, But the fruit, the fruit, the byproduct, the evidence of the Spirit (laughs) is love. Jesus made this very clear. They will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Mm -hmm. gentleness, and self-control. Every single believer who is born again adopted and sealed by the Holy Spirit, the fruit that should be coming from their life as evidence, we should not be looking to tongues because God uses that. And Mm -hmm. I believe is still a gift that God uses in this world. And there are ways in which Paul 
makes it clear to the church that it's to be used and the ways in which it's used. And God gives that gift to some and not to others, and it has no bearing on whether or not you're saved. It is Mm -hmm. a supernatural gift, and God can use it in any way God sees. But if someone is regenerate, they've been regenerated, they're born again by the Spirit, the power of Christ raised, raised them from death to life, they will, their evidence, their fruit will be love, joy, peace, Patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So the question you should be asking yourself right now, am I producing that kind of fruit in my life? Do I have a desire to produce that kind of fruit in my life? And I would celebrate like crazy knowing Dawn, she images and reflects those fruits all the time. She just sent an email to us last week saying, praise God for this podcast. She listened to one of the first two episodes and it was dripping with the fruits of the spirit. And it was beautiful to see the Holy Spirit alive in her producing that fruit. We get in dangerous waters when we project that historical event as an expectation onto every believer because Paul never does that. Never does it. Never does it. When he's writing to the church, he describes the gift of tongues in the list and says, desire all the gifts, but don't just desire tongues, desire all of them, right? And speaking to the historical event that happened at Pentecost, it was more a redemption in a biblical theology sense of what was divided and separated at the Tower of Babel than an expectation on every believer. It was a life. reversal. It was a reversal. Think about the tower. They were building their own kingdom trying to get to God yep. and God spreads them and gives them all different tongues where they can't understand each other. Mm-hmm. And then when the Holy Spirit's given to these believers, what happens? They're called to build a different kingdom, not their own. They're speaking all different languages, but they understand each other. Yeah. And this beautiful unity and yeah. redemption of what sin caused division for. It's, oh, oh, it's amazing. Establishment of the church. Yep. So God used tongues in that moment to reverse the curse of sin, to show the world there's a new kingdom, there's a new reality, this is what it looks like. And how that that goes forth is through the power of the Spirit in God's people, specifically in each local church into that community. Let's get it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. It seems Amen. to me the Holy Spirit is constantly pointing to Jesus, mm. who is constantly pointing to the Father, yeah. and they are sending the Spirit that we may do the same. Yeah. Point to Jesus, point to the Father, so and this beautiful <laughs> yeah. continual worship. Yeah, it, it, it's it glorious. Yep. This dance that you have with the Father, Son, and the Spirit is so communally beautiful, if that's even a saying. <laughs> It's it's Hashtag. such a beautiful gift that we as God's people should be trying to emulate. There's just this beautiful unity of celebrating the other. Amen. The that's Holy so Spirit good, is constantly yeah, so good, pointing us and saying, celebrate Jesus. How revealing of God's character and love. Uh, you brought up something, Rob, in one of your comments here that I think one of our members has a question about. Let me bring it up here. Do you guys believe the Holy Spirit still gives sign gifts such as prophecy, tongues, healing, and miracles to Christians today? And if not, can you make a biblical argument for the cessation of these gifts? Thanks, guys. Todd Rickabaugh. So Todd Rickabaugh not giving us his Come name on, because uh, he doesn't want to be uh, publicly declared or called out. Todd, we love you. Uh, we want to see you more on Sunday morning. 
Can I say that? Is that fine to say? Get it. And uh, we're not going to answer your question until you show up. No, we can answer that question. That's great. Question. I mean, our position yep. is at Gospel Life Church is yep. we are continuationists. Define that. Okay. Yep. So he talked about cessationism, mm -hmm. the ceasing mm -hmm. of these sign gifts is what he called yeah, the them. Miraculous you know, sign yeah, gifts. We call yep. them the supernatural gifts. Yep. We kind of, you can use, um, I don't, I'm not necessarily big on the sign gifts mm -hmm. uh but he's talking about the supernatural mm -hmm. gifts so we're yep. so let's just kind of talk about those gifts briefly uh, gifts like speaking in tongues yep. uh healing yep. uh what might be another prophecy is another prophecy one. yeah mm -hmm. um so we believe in our position a continuationist position believing that god can still do those things um they haven't ceased um, that I, I struggle with that position because you're putting God in a box. You're saying God operated like that then, but he doesn't operate like that now. Well, who are you to say that God can heal anybody at any time? And he does. Um, the continuation position is this, is that those gifts are still in effect today and they are, God is still healing people. People are still speaking in tongues in the, in the fashion in which God's word mm -hmm. reveals in, in the ways in which God says, this is how it works. And there's how, you know, mm -hmm. it's from the spirit and it's not some crazy talk. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not chaos, but there's order and here's mm -hmm. what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And then the prophetic word. We're continuationists. We believe God does those things. Here's what we don't believe. We don't believe that God gives this gift of, let's say, healing to one person for their entire life. And therefore, let's go to Jay Ward. He's the healer. He's the gospel life healer. He has the gift. And now let's, in some form or fashion, celebrate Jay. Mm -hmm. God does work. We believe he does heal. We lay hands on people. As God's word tells us, specifically, we see at the end of James, as elders of the church, we lay hands on people and we pray for healing, not believing that we have the gift, but believing that God can heal. He's continuing those gifts. He can heal. And he wants, he, he does it through prayer and he does it through his people, mm -hmm. through his church. And so I encourage anyone listening out there to say, we want to encourage you, believe that God can heal and Pray for people to be healed. If people are sick, pray that they will be healed. And you pray that God would heal them. And he can use you to do so. doesn't make you a healer for all time, but he'll work through an individual. And I, and I pray every time I lay hands on someone yep. and pray for a physical healing that God would heal, not believing that I have the power, but that God does. Yep. Yeah. And as continuationists, we believe that all of those supernatural miraculous gifts are always for that building up of the body and the advance of the gospel. As you mentioned, they're never for the building up of identity of one person within the local church. And I think that's really interesting where a lot of times the cessationist position pushes back against the continuationist position because they see we don't want someone to get an identity to be elevated to the level of Christ superstar. You have this miraculous gift because yeah. you can worship a person real quick in that. Yeah. I mean, Paul in advancing the gospel he landed on an island and he uh, guys got bit by snakes and then he was able to heal them and they're like let's worship this guy and he says i'm not a god let's worship the true god yeah so there's a temptation in some of those supernatural gifts to elevate the person who gets the gift higher than the others so i i respect the cessationist position from that perspective to recognize no this is about christ as the head of the church and i got a lot of cessationist buddies at the school that i'm going to that they've argued that position and i and i respect it and get it 
because even the gift of prophecy, they say, well, we don't want the gift of prophecy ever elevating above God's word for you as a pastor to say, thus saith the Lord is really dangerous because now we're adding to the canon. But I think the greatest argument for us as a church of why we're continuationists is because we don't see any evidence in scripture that any of those gifts ceased. First Corinthians 13 says that they'll cease, says that tongues will cease, says that prophecy will cease, but it says they'll cease when the perfect comes. Well, what's that mean? Well, that means when Jesus comes back. So this age that we're in, there's not different ages of the church, as the cessationist position would argue. We're still in the age of the new church, of Acts. We're Acts 29 as a church, continuationist of that movement. And when Jesus comes back, they'll cease because he's here. Yeah. The one who the gifts point to is here. As we try to discern the two of you, the members of the church, all of us as part of Christ Church, how do we navigate that? Let me bring up a question here from another uh, couple. Hey guys, this is Mark and Leah from Edgewood. Our question is regarding biblical discernment of the Holy Spirit. How do we determine what is our own conscience versus the Spirit's? Thank you. Very, very good question. Very important question. So I'm going to turn it over to Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, mean, I can totally I'll go right for there. it. Yeah, yeah, you go for it. You got any thoughts? Man. The I, gift of deflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a gift <laughs> It is strong with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, our, our conscience versus the Holy Spirit, right? I think it's important for us to recognize that in Genesis, if we're all made in the image of God, we bear and reflect his image, that even the unbeliever can have a conscience mm-hmm. to know right versus is wrong a general sense of morality our conscience tells us a general sense of what is right versus what is wrong the holy spirit however helps us understand what is edifying to jesus Hmm. and what takes away from his glory if we're not saved our understanding in right and wrong still focuses on us it still has us at the center so what's right and wrong i'm making decisions based on what's right and wrong for me when the Holy Spirit comes into us through salvation and regeneration, now we're making decisions based on what's for the glory of God and what takes me away from that. So when I'm thinking about the Holy Spirit, as we've talked about before, Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will remind you of everything that Jesus Christ has said to us. Okay. Well, when I have a thought or a feeling that draws me closer to Christ or reminds me of what he's done, that's not just my conscience. That's the Holy Spirit talking to me. That's amazing. I'm hearing from the third person of the Trinity. I've been in counseling settings and discipleship environments where I'll be reminded of God's word and I'll be reminded of something that I can share with them about Jesus. And it's not of me. It's otherworldly. And it's a supernatural voice saying, hey, tell them this. And that's the Holy Spirit because it's edifying Christ. Mm -hmm. I'll let you keep going. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, this, this, um, conversation that involves conscience is very important. Uh, I'm actually doing some study on this right now because I think understanding our conscience and actually when it comes to our conscience, if we if we feel like something's right or wrong, we always need to go back to the word of yeah, God. Amen. That's so good. Okay. And so that's where the, the Holy Spirit will lead us yep. and make it clear, okay, this is wrong for everyone because of the word of God. This is right for everyone because of the word of God. But then conscience comes into play in those gray areas, Hmm. right? Where my conscience may be telling me, you know what? Alcohol is not okay for me. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's For me to drink alcohol is a sin. Now for me to take that 
conscious because the word yep. of God does not say that drinking alcohol is a yep. sin. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry for all the fundamentalists out there uh, that are listening. Yep. Uh, it is not a sin. Yep. But I grew up in a fundamental church which said drinking alcohol was a sin. And so that you know, theological position mm. is in the gray mm. and is saying, because we believe as a denomination, our conscience is saying that mm. it's wrong, it's mm. a bad witness, mm. then it's wrong and a bad witness for everyone. Mm. And therefore now we have to take and tweak even the word of God to make that position actually, well, this is what God says. Well, he doesn't say that. So Romans 14 speaks to mm. this. When Paul is talking about the conscience, and there's a lot of verses on conscience. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of verses where we should be listening to our conscience. If my conscience tells me something is sin for me to do, eating meat from idols, as we see in Romans 14, mm -hmm. then I need to abstain. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it is a sin, but Kyle, it's okay for you. Mm -hmm. So it's alcohol. It's like, yep. you know, I, I have made a decision. Well, you know, alcohol is not, it's a sin for me. So for me to tell you, Kyle, it's a sin when in the Bible, it doesn't say that. Now I'm, now yep. I'm making, Projecting a matter I, of conscience. I'm, I'm elevating good. my conscience over yep. the spirit yep. when you have the spirit and you yep. need to discern that for yourself. Mm. You see how this, I get that yeah, this that's piece good. of conscience. So, so yeah, I have to read something, right? I have to, I have to, I have to say, okay, my conscience is telling me something. This is not right. Okay. What does God's word say? This is why we, we, we bring this into community. We talk in the church. We, we dialogue around this. Then we say, okay. It's not in God's word, okay? Is, 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 should, should I squench my conscience and do it anyway just because God's word is silent on it? Well, that's a real question where you're now discussing what is conscience and how is the Lord. That's where we go to prayer. We ask God, God, what, do, what is right for me in this scenario? But I think we live in a world right now, specifically inside the church, where we're convinced, like, you know, in our conscience of things that are gray. And let's talk about some political persuasions. <laughs> yep. I'm convinced yep. I'm right. Yep. And it's a conscience thing. And I'm attacking, attacking the other side because I believe they're in sin because they're of a different political persuasion. You see, the, the, the conscience. For, so I don't know yep. if you want to speak to that. I, no, that's good, man. Yeah, I love where you're going with the conscience in the life of the believer. It sounds like what we're saying is the Holy Spirit can use the conscience, but the conscience is not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Because if I'm saying the conscience is the Holy Spirit, then now I have to say everyone has to agree with my political leanings or my perspective mm -hmm. on alcohol. E even because if it's, it's not in the Word of God. Even if it's not in the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit said it. Well, actually, no, the, the Holy Spirit is using my conscience to point me to Jesus, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So to make it on the same plane is really dangerous, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, Romans fourteen is a great, great. It's a place great. To look at yeah, me. that's a really good, good place for further study. And that's a great question for Mark. That's really good. Personally, I, I love this. It's wonderful to hear the two of you guys dialogue about this and reference scripture. And I think for us to continue to pray and seek that discernment, whether it's the three of us in this room, those listening, to be praying and asking that the Holy Spirit would reveal Jesus, yeah, help us to understand his word more, help us to understand our mission as individuals and how to be faithful in our response to, to where he has us. Got another question for you and how to... You've been expressing and kind of unpacking the Holy Spirit as our pastors. I got another one for you um, coming from a little different perspective. This is Teresa from Sumner. How do you explain the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to children who are only picturing a mini plastic figurine of an illustrated version of Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> We're both looking at each other like, that's a great question. 
Well, I would ask, so uh, if you're okay with that, I kind of want to turn it on Jay, because Jay, you got three wonderful daughters that we just spent time playing with before we came in here. So as you think about your daughters and one of your daughters says, hey, I heard this on Sunday, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you know, what would you say to her? We're trying to discuss with our kids so many of the, the, the wonderful blessings and celebrating and offering thanksgiving and praise to God and to point to the finished work of Jesus. Uh, but also when they're in the middle of a tantrum, when they're in the middle of a struggle, uh, to acknowledge that not just to try to set them on a moral path where we say what you did is wrong, but rather acknowledge some of the temptations that come with it. I can understand why you're frustrated. I can understand why you're lashing out. Uh, I too lash out. Sometimes I don't want to do what God's word is telling me, just like you don't want to do what mom or daddy's telling you right now. So to try to recognize that we need a savior. We need Jesus. Mom and daddy do too. And so here's an opportunity for us to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would give us uh, the strength and mm-hmm. mostly the faith to respond as he has called us. I hear a little one out there yeah. in the hallway. <laughs> yeah, right. I love it. yeah, I'm having this conversation with my kids all yeah. the time. Um, and it's not maybe this, today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about God in you. But it needs to be constantly, um, it needs to be constantly in front of our kids, teaching them they cannot do the Christian life on their own. We, we cannot trust and follow Jesus in our own strength. And so my kids constantly, I can't do this, dad. I, I can't do it. And I say, that's great that you're acknowledging that. You have to pray, ask God Mm -hmm. to do it through you. I don't want to love my sister. I actually want to punch her right now. Let's ask. And God helps you, gives you a a remorse for the sin you're causing Mm -hmm. and seeing the destruction. Help them see where this sin will lead you in your life. And it's, it's asking them it's helping them rely upon christ in them yeah to do what god's calling them to do through his law what little demonstrations of the the depth of humanity and god's grace happening in every moment of every day where we are opposed to god we're opposed to god's word his commandments and we rebel and we sin and we turn from God to choose something else as Adam and Eve did. Mm. And then here is this invitation to repent, trying to show our kids how to mm. repent yeah, and being examples of that in front of them. When we, maybe they uh, have done something and, and we're upset with them, understandably so, and there's a consequence, but we do so sinfully, mm-hmm. we can then repent in front yeah. of our children. And so we're showing them what it means to turn back to Christ, to ask the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. to repent before God, to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the forgiveness of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and actually walk out these moments of repentance throughout the day and demonstrate for them what that means. I think to talk about it is one thing, for them to see it is another, and to show that rather than a uh, preaching to them, rather displaying it and talking about it in, in kind of their own language. Yeah. So I hear you guys saying that there's an aspect of calling your kids to faith and repentance, demonstrating faith and repentance for them, and to respond to Teresa's question. I think that's a great way of taking this figurine Jesus or this Jesus on a storybook and actually having him come alive because it's by faith we have a relationship with him. I would add one more piece to it that I think as we think about kids and I think about my daughter Magnolia and son Graham, 
my prayer would be that they would learn the Holy Spirit in them as I affirm the Holy Spirit in them mm. if they've chosen to place their faith in Jesus. What I mean by that is that I've learned that the Holy Spirit's been working in my life when Rob goes, man, Kyle, you're way more patient in this instance than you were maybe a year ago. Mm. Wow, you're really trusting Jesus. And I just want to tell you, I see that in you. Wow, that, that helped me see nice. the Holy Spirit's working in me. Yeah. So to tell your kids, if if your kids have chosen to place their mm. faith in Jesus, yeah. I see patience in you. I see love in you yeah. as they get a little bit older. I see that God's given you this gift that's really beneficial for your friends. Did you know that that's actually the Holy Spirit working through you? Yeah. So both calling them to faith and repentance and when they place their faith in Jesus, the affirmation of when you see him working is beautiful. I think that's magnificent. I think affirming the work of the spirit in the life of the believer. Yep. I think pastorally yep. when I'm telling people and I'm, I'm, I'm practicing consistently telling people I'm very proud of you. Well, yeah. What am I proud of? I'm, we're not, we're not, we're not championing morality here. Yep. I'm proud of you surrendering yep. your life to the leading of the spirit. I'm proud of you because when you're turning from trusting in yourself and turning and trusting in Jesus, turning from yourself and trusting in Jesus, faith and repentance. This is the, you cannot, you cannot turn from sin, ultimately really turn from sin to trust in Jesus without the work of the spirit. You can't, you won't desire God unless God, the Holy Spirit is working in your life. So faith and repentance is something that must be celebrated inside the church. Repentance is a work of the Spirit, Amen. and we should celebrate it. When we see someone desiring, desiring things of God, we should affirm that and celebrate that, and obviously and absolutely in the lives of our kids, and making it really clear, not pretending that our unbelieving kids are saved. They cannot do these things. And so helping them understand, and I think it's very appropriate to tell them, this is wrong, you cannot do this anymore, and you're never going to be able to do it unless God comes into your life. And I've, I've been telling my kids that, you know, and, and finally one of my kids, one of my sons just goes, well, well, what's hope for me? What's the hope? Well, the hope is turn your life over to Jesus so you now can and you will desire different things. Yeah, that's good. Let me read this just really quickly before we go to the next one. Romans eight thirteen, Paul says, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Mm. it's through the spirit that we do this faith and repentance. It's only through him. And that's one of his greatest ministries to convict us and to empower right. us for that. Love that. Good stuff. Let me set you up with another one. This comes from Luke. Out of the nine uh, fruit of the spirit listed in Galatians five, which one would you personally um, want to grow in right now? And why? Love you guys. We love you, Luke. Luke. I hate that you asked that question because uh, I really want to grow in patience. But the last time I prayed for patience and asked God to work in me in patience, the day didn't go like I wanted. Um, and therefore, those are the opportunities to grow. So patience probably for me, yeah. trusting mm. uh, God and his timing. Mm. Um, you know, some versions call this forbearance. Mm. It's, it's really relying upon God, mm. not self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say for me, it's self-control. And I think that's what the Lord's been pressing on in my heart lately. I think specifically in where I pursue satisfaction and pleasure. 
it's really easy for me to come home from a day of caring for others, a day of working um, after caring for two little ones and say, what I need is Netflix. What I need is a bowl of ice cream. What I need is that frozen cookie in the freezer so bad. And I just go right to those things and not having, not even giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity and kind of, I hear him say, do you really need that? And I'm like, shut it. <laughs> and I just keep going. And that spirit of self-control to be able to control the desires of my flesh and submit them to what God wants. I'm just longing to grow in that because I'm really, I'm weak in that area. I'm really struggling. There. Yeah, I would agree. Self-control is certainly, yeah, the area in which I have room to grow. You well, know, well, how about this, Jay? I got something for you. How about Romans 8, 26? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Mm. Yeah, amen. He helps us in our weakness. If we do not know what we ought to pray for, he prays. the Spirit himself <laughs> intercedes and prays for amen. us. Amen. Yeah, praise God. Yeah. So he is already doing constantly yep. working in the life of the believer. Even if you, now, you yep. even acknowledging that you well, want to grow yeah, in that area is evidence. the work of the Spirit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, even, yeah. even for the person that's like, yeah, yeah, you know, gentleness, I'm super gentle. I don't need to work on that. He's actually interceding yep. because you need to grow. We all need to yep, grow yep. in these areas. And he's interceding and he's, and he's meeting us in our weakness. And he's growing us even when we don't even ask for it. I mean, he's constantly working. When Christ, uh, Scripture says, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Wow. And what happened in the wilderness? He was tempted by Satan. Yeah. So you talk about uh, praying for patience, but not really wanting what you get. Yeah. Think of like the mm. Spirit leading Jesus into some pretty tough territory. Well, what you're but, saying, well, well, Jay, what you're saying right now is you're saying that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into a difficult season in his life. The most difficult season on behalf of believers, he needed to go be tempted and overcome Satan and bind him. You're saying that Jesus being tempted was, he was led by the, are you saying that? <laughs> so, so you're saying that the Holy Spirit may lead me into the, the current state of suffering right now in my life. Is that what you're saying? I think he's intent on turning us into greater Christ likeness to not only point to Jesus, but to bring us to holiness and humility. Mm, that's good. Wow. Yep. And wow. Would suffering maybe be the best environment? <laughs> yep. Would suffering and pain and struggle actually produce something in me far greater than I could ever ask for or imagine? Yep. And the spirit is leading me there. Yep. And an amazing part of that story is that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness right after the Father and Son confirmed who Jesus was at his baptism. Yeah. So at that moment, the Father opens up the heavens, the Spirit descends in a dove, and the Father says, Behold my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Jesus entered into a season of suffering, a season of trial, which was Spirit-led and Spirit-initiated from an absolute place of security and identity, mm. knowing who he was, knowing that whatever was to come wouldn't change the Father's approval of him. And from his standing, his justification, he was able, his right righteousness before God, which he was already perfectly righteous so i don't want to get into that but from that place of security he was able to endure whatever's to come yeah that's so important for us to understand so yeah for it was fitting that he jesus for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering mm, wow yeah that's good for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source yeah so so right now the person who's suffering i want to speak to that person mm. The person who 
is convinced that God's forgotten them. The person that's in their brokenness, Jesus was led into suffering for the glory of God and was given everything he needed to endure suffering for the sake of us so that we can be approved of like Christ mm -hmm. and we can be in the middle of suffering and we can grow as a result because of Jesus. And I want and, to... And to experience an intimacy with him that wouldn't be possible apart from suffering. I mean, when Jesus was tempted, hey, eat this bread, what did he say? Man doesn't live on bread. He lives yeah. on every word of God, yeah. the words that come from God. You experience a dependence and an intimacy with the Lord through spirit-led suffering that actually you can't get in comfort. Praise God for that. Yeah. So I just want to encourage that person That's right so now that, that maybe, maybe, maybe it's an opportunity to, as the Spirit has been interceding for you, maybe it's your opportunity now to turn and ask God to strengthen you and to encourage you and to remind you that he is with you. Amen. He is in the valley of the shadow of death and he is walking with you and alongside of you and he's doing something. He is doing something that uh, is going to be glorious in your life. Trust him. The Holy Spirit, even right now when you don't know what to pray, is praying on your behalf, is interceding for you before the Father, in your weakness, crying out, praying for you so that you would have the strength to endure the season, to bear good fruit in the season, and whatever you'll face and whatever you'll experience in a season of suffering cannot take away the seal that's been given to you through faith in Jesus. And that's that you are adopted, you are loved, you are securely held by the Father, and nothing can take that away because of the Holy Spirit and his ministry to you and for you for God's glory. So with that, we, we want to pray for those that have been listening, and we want to pray for those that have been tuned in uh, just to our conversation today that we'd be reminded of the joy of the Holy Spirit alive in us. So is it okay if I pray, guys? Is that yeah. all right? Mm -hmm. All right, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you sent the Son, uh, Jesus. We thank you that you came in obedience. Uh, and Jesus, now as you ascended and are seated at the right hand of the Father, we thank you that you promised to send another, the Helper, the Spirit of Truth, the one that would remind us of everything you said to us through your word and will be with us forever. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry in our lives. We thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for helping us say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Would you remind us that we don't live this life by our flesh or by our own understanding and we don't fight our sin and our own resource and strength. Instead, we look to Jesus by faith and receive his power his strength, um, his ministry and care for us through you presently with us, Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for those that are listening that have been resonating with the truths that they've heard today. That's you ministering to them. And I thank you, Lord, for the way that you're working alive in us. And we give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions about the gospel life or if you'd like to submit your audio questions for the pastors, email podcast at glpuallip.com. Now go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now here's a spirit-filled number by a few friends and I. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost gave him say my life.
can I get an amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray. Can I get an amen? amen. My Lord Jesus, uh -huh. the Lamb of God, uh -huh. Holy Redeemer, uh -huh. shed his blood. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. All oh, praise be unto God. All oh, praise be unto God. All oh, praise be unto God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost gave and saved my life. Can I get an amen? amen. I get an amen. amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get an amen? 